As a free, not-for-profit service, Cradio requires the support of people like you to help keep us going in our mission. To donate, visit cradio.org.au slash donate. Cradio. Fostering a relationship with the Holy Spirit. A talk by Juan Freck at the 2018 Immaculata Mission School in Hobart, Tasmania. Can you hear me at the back? I always like to test things. I'm a teacher, so I make sure that my students can hear me. Um, it's a great blessing to be here, and I always like to start with another prayer. So we're going to do another prayer, and I like to do this one together. And our Father, hail Mary, and a glory be together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady Queen of Peace, St. Joseph, and of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm just going to ask you to do one thing for me. Um, when I, I'm going to read a few scripture passages, and I'm going to read one right now. Um, I'm going to say many things, but nothing's more important than what the Lord has to say. And so when I do read the scripture passages, I'm going to encourage you to close your eyes and to let those words penetrate. Okay, so I'm going to ask you right now and encourage you to close your eyes as I begin with this scripture passage. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. You can open your eyes now. I'm going to ask you a very important question. Who's having an awesome time? Can't hear it. Who's having an awesome time? Yes? <laughs> That's better. That's better. <laughs> it has been really beautiful. The past couple of days, wonderful talks, tackling the big questions. What is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of our faith? And yesterday we heard that another question from Father Anthony Mary, who are you? Identity, who are you? And we know now through those talks that our vocation is to encounter a person the person of Jesus Christ. And it is in this encounter that we are actually transformed. We also heard something else in the testimonies, which I heard and in the talks, and that is the cry of the human heart. It is the cry to be loved and to respond by giving of ourselves in a loving way. And every human being has this desire deep within their hearts, that ache and that restlessness. 
And let me tell you something. It's a beautiful gift. And you need to pay attention to that desire within the human heart. And nothing can fulfill that desire except for God. Because he loves each of us into existence. And for a purpose. The purpose is to participate in his life. The purpose is to be in an intimate relationship with him. And one day to experience that party that we heard about in heaven. And so, if we push God away, as you heard yesterday in those testimonies, there is emptiness. There is something essential missing in our humanity. But before we can respond and love properly, which we all have this desire, we first have to learn to receive God's love. And I've been praying. (laughs) And one of the things I get for you guys and even for myself is that God has called us. He's the one that invited us to be here, no matter how you got here, whether you really wanted to come or you didn't, you were forced. Jesus is now wants you to receive his love, his mercy, and as you saw last night, his healing touch. And one way that God pours out that love into our hearts is through the gift of the Holy Spirit. I want to share something with you that happened to me last year, which has to do with that desire for love. Last year, I fell in love with a woman. And so naturally, I asked her out in church, and she kind of didn't give me the response I wanted. She said, uh, she said, look, I don't have an answer for you. I said, all right, fair enough. <laughs> but we started to spend time together. It was a really beautiful journey. Okay? It was really beautiful. We're very good friends. But at the end of that journey, she said to me, basically, implicitly, that it wasn't really in her heart. She wasn't feeling the same way. Well, you can't enter a relationship unless it's two ways. And so I was left with, although I still care about her and I was left with a lot of grief <laughs> and pain naturally. And so every night, I was doing what I do every day. I go to the tabernacle and have a chat with Jesus. And I was upset with Jesus. And so I told him, Jesus, I'm upset. I am not saying anything to you right now. And so I just sat there in silence, very quietly, <laughs> every night. But I did say this to the Lord. I'm upset with you, but I'm still here. I'm still here. (laughs) And something inside of me said to me that God is doing something in this pain. Anyways, I spoke to a very beautiful priest, very wise priest. And I said, Father, I'm struggling. I said, got this pain, this happened. And he had this smile on his face. And he said to me, he's a very wise man. He said, Juan, God is doing something beautiful, he said, in your life. He said, I want you to meditate on these words of St. Augustine. He said, O late have I loved you, beauty so ancient and yet so new. And what he said to me was, it's Father Michael de Stoop, some of you know him. He said, Juan, he said, you're searching for beauty, he said, from without. St. Augustine found the beauty from within. And he didn't tell me the answer. He said, I want you to go back in again, he said, and ask the Lord, what is this beauty, Juan? From within, a beauty that when St. Augustine found it, 
It transformed his life from this great sinner to one of the greatest saints that the church has. And so naturally, when he said these words to me, I was excited, filled with curiosity, expectation. And I I, I felt this excitement. And that night, I went to go pray in adoration. And um, I sat there and I started to feel peace and joy. And all that struggle lifted. And so then I looked at the Lord. I didn't want to tell the Lord what it was. I said, I didn't want to try and, you know, sometimes we try to rationalize. I said, Lord, you tell me, what is this beauty within? And you know what the Lord's answer was? Silence. Silence. He does that to me sometimes. So I sat there waiting. I said, fair enough, Lord. Fair enough. I'll ask you tomorrow again. <laughs> Next day comes, and I ask him again. Lord, what's this beauty from within? You know, I'm really excited again. And anticipation, no answer. Anyways, I continued it for two weeks, and then I stopped. That's enough. I've got to get on with it. <laughs> And so two months later, I get asked to do a reflection on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So naturally, I went back to the tabernacle. There I was praying, Lord, what do you want me to say? You know, I'll try, try to listen and as best as I can. And I got these words to talk about the gift of the Holy Spirit. And as soon as I got those words from my subconscious came rushing, Oh, late have I loved you, beauty so ancient. And so new. This beauty within, at least at this stage, was the gift of the Holy Spirit within us. This treasure. Okay, so each of us is being called to an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. A fellowship. Put your hands up honestly if you have an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. A fellowship. It's good to see some hands up. It's not easy, is it? We can relate to the Father. We can relate to Jesus in his humanity. But the Holy Spirit is described in a very unique way in Scripture. He's described as the breath of God, as the wind, as the water, as the fire, and even the finger of God. How can you have an intimate relationship with a finger? The finger of God. So Juan, what have you been up to? You know, just the usual. Talking to the finger of God. You get the point? It's not easy. Okay. However, what I want you to get out of this talk is really the gift of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. And I want you to think of the Holy Spirit as the gift of love, as the very heart of God and as person the third person of the Trinity, the Blessed Trinity. By virtue of our baptism, each of us has the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And every time we pray, He transforms our hearts and draws us into an intimate relationship with God. He draws us into the intimacy of Jesus and the Father. Do you know what intimacy means? Intimacy means inmost. God enters our inmost life, but he then draws us out of ourselves into his inmost life. What a blessing. St. Augustine describes the Holy Spirit as the very love 
that binds the Father and the Son in perfect unity. And He is also the love that binds us to God. Meditate on that today. The Father loves the Son so much that He pours out His love and the first gift He gives to His Son is His love, the Holy Spirit, the uncreated love. Jesus receives the love of the Father and reciprocates that love. And I'm about to encourage you to close your eyes again because I'm going to read another scripture passage. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens opened and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. A voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. Jesus, you can open your eyes, uh, Jesus, it's a beautiful scene there, in his humanity, needs to experience the love of the Father before he goes out. He needs to experience it in his humanity. And we hear those beautiful words of affection from the Father. This is my beloved son. With you I'm well pleased. Yesterday, Father Anthony Mary mentioned, who are you? And we went through all those negatives. You're not this, you're not that, etc. This is the answer to the question. This is who you are. Beloved sons and daughters of the Father. That's the actual answer to that question. It's in the scriptures. And Jesus doesn't just receive the words. He then receives the outpouring of love. The Holy Spirit descends upon him. He is anointed and then he is sent out into the wilderness. He is tempted and then he begins his mission with those words that Thomas mentioned yesterday. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And so it's a precious gift, the Holy Spirit. A precious gift. And I'm just trying to think because some of the words have come out of my mind. I had too many words. (laughs) St. John Paul II describes the Holy Spirit as gift love, gift person, and the very expression of God's love and self-giving. The very expression of God's love and self-giving. But I'm going to go back to that scripture passage that I read at the beginning. And I'm going to read it again. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So, we have this promise from Jesus himself. It's not me saying it. He promises us a counselor, an advocate, the paraclete. Paraclete means, according to Alan Shrek, I read a bit of his book, and he writes a lot of extensive literature on the Holy Spirit. And he writes that the paraclete means the one who walks by your side. And so that is wisdom, to know that on this faith journey, you're not alone. You have a friend who walks by your side, the Holy Spirit. He is the one closest to our hearts who dwells within us. Why is this important? Why am I trying to make this point? 
Because in our spirituality, we need to be conscious of the Holy Spirit's action in our lives. He is always moving, prompting us, but sometimes we don't listen and we don't respond the way we are supposed to respond with openness. When the Holy Spirit penetrates us, what he encounters is resistance. I will do it my own way. This is too much for me. So just to keep it nice and simple, I want you to see the gift of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer and I want you to see him as an active agent in the life of the believer. And the best way to do that is to share my testimony in parts only. The parts where I can clearly identify where the Holy Spirit has been working in my life. It's not that they, they go in stages, but I am going to draw out certain themes of how the Holy Spirit works in my life and in the life of the believer. Because I think that's the best way to do it at this stage. That's what I got in prayer. The first work that I can identify of the Holy Spirit in my life is an attraction and a desire for Jesus, which for me started from a very young age. My dad's a refugee, and some of you know this because I've mentioned this before, and he struggled. But he was always a man of prayer. He's on his knees, he had a Bible, took us to Mass. He wasn't perfect, but he was a good father. We went to Mass a long way. We prayed the rosary as a family. And so naturally, he gives me this gift of the faith. And Dad used to give me these books on Jesus with pictures of Jesus. I didn't read much then. I was a kid. And I saw these pictures of a man with a beard and long hair. So I knew two things about Jesus when I was about five. I knew that Jesus had long hair and a beard, and he was special. They're the two things. They kind of were there. Dad told me he was. He must be special. Okay. The next stage of this attraction came at the age of seven and eight for me. When I was seven, I used to love going to my grandmother's house. She's a great cook. So I used to love going. Grandmothers are. But also my grandmother, she was very joyful, very, very joyful. And we used to play cards all night. And she used to tell me stories and stories and, you know, and so forth. And it was just great. And she wasn't very religious. Okay, She wasn't very religious. But for some reason, I don't know why, before I went to bed, she'd say, let's read these scripture passages. And she would read three psalms to me. I always remember. Psalm 1, Psalm 23, and Psalm 91. And she read them in Spanish. And at the age of eight, I used to love reading books. By then, I was reading a lot of books now, mainly scary books, the goosebumps and all that stuff, you know, great, great literature, as you can see, very well informed. I get a present that's quite thick. And so naturally, I think that's a book. I open that up, it's a Bible, the Good News Bible, a yellow one, you know, those, those simple ones with a bit of pictures on, not that many pictures, but there was a few on there. So I'm excited. I pick up this new book, I put all the other books aside, I'm going to start reading this one. What do you think I did? I did a couple of things which were interesting. I tried to read it from cover to cover. That didn't work. I got pretty far. I read a, a, about 800 and something and then I stopped. <laughs> there were certain books I enjoyed. The other thing I did was, well, what my grandmother taught me. Every night I read Psalm 1, Psalm 23, and Psalm 91. Grandmother taught me. That was pretty special. I actually thought something. Wow. And then I encountered the Gospels <laughs> and I started reading them. And I read them, and I read them, and I spoke to my brother about it, and I spoke to dad about it, and I wanted to share it with everybody because it was beautiful. Something inside of me was moving, even from a young age when I read the scriptures. 
I started to realize this person of Jesus is quite special. His message, even though I didn't fully understand it, obviously, was touching me. It was doing something in my heart. And his miracles, his actions, I didn't fully understand the events, but I was being touched and inspired by the scriptures. And that was the sec- that, well, that's still the first work of the Holy Spirit, an attraction to Jesus through scripture. Then came a little bit later on, everything was normal after that. I put the Bible aside when I was a little bit older, and then I was you know, playing baseball, going to school, just normal life. At the age of 15, I was touched again. At the age of 15 is the first time I joined the youth group. And I began to experience an attraction and love for Jesus in the Eucharist. When I would pray before the Eucharist, I felt peace and consolation. And so that was quite special. And I also had this desire and joy in sharing the faith with people. Okay, because it was quite lovely. You know, always private, you know, me praying at night. Now I could share it with people that had similar values. That was fantastic. We're all sharing and growing and learning from each other. That was brilliant. And I thought this peace and joy, good friendships, all that stuff. It was great. And so you can clearly see that's the first work of the Holy Spirit in my life. A desire for Jesus. However, the Holy Spirit never forces the human heart. He'll plant those desires. And if you're open, he'll transform you. to something very beautiful. But if you close your heart off to the Holy Spirit then he can't work. And one of the ways that you close your heart off to the Holy Spirit and your heart goes hard and numb is through sin. Sin was already entering my life too. My attitudes were changing. The movies I watched, the music I listened to were starting to change. But the real turning point, I think, in my reflections at the age of 16, I started to hang around the wrong crowds. And I went out. And to a friend's house, and we were there, drinking wine, red wine. I didn't even like red wine that much. But there I was drinking, and drinking, and drinking, more and more. And I got drunk for the first time. And my brother was there, and he was, he was upset with me. Okay? And I was kind of stumbling out. And we had to walk home. It's about maybe 1.5 kilometers from the house. And I couldn't really walk. So my brother calls Dad. Dad comes and picks me up, and I was ashamed. Now he gave me a lecture. He gave me a lecture, but unfortunately it didn't sink in. And I continued to get drunk more and more, the party lifestyle, and sin breeds more sin. It started to go down and down and down, downhill. Recreational drugs, more parties, okay? To the point that it started to affect the most beautiful thing in my life, my relationships. My relationship with God, my relationship with my family, there was tensions, there was arguments, and I was becoming more aggressive. It was hindering the things that I treasured the most in my life. As you heard yesterday, sin is an offense against God, but it's a rupture in that relationship with God. You rupture it. You turn away and you close yourself off from actually receiving love and loving properly. And so as I was reflecting, how can I get this message across? An analogy did come to mind. And the analogy is that of the alcoholic. An alcoholic has an addiction to a substance, the substance of alcohol. And he has urges that he wants to satisfy. And so what he does is he drinks. And he drinks more to satisfy those urges. But what he doesn't realize perhaps initially is that every drink is doing him damage. 
And the more he continues on that lifestyle, the more his life deteriorates. And not only does his own life suffer, but what begins to suffer is his relationships. Those around him start to suffer. His family. And they can see him deteriorating. And there are two conditions for him to receive healing. And if he doesn't meet these conditions, he will not receive healing. The first condition is a recognition. I've got a problem. The second condition is, I cannot do this on my own. I need help from outside of myself. That was the second work of the Holy Spirit in my life. A conviction of sin and what it was doing in my life and how it was affecting me. And the knowledge that I cannot do this on my own. I need Jesus. I need him back. And it happened at the age of 21. The age of 21, this is very important. I want you to see what the Holy Spirit was doing, but the believer too. It's kind of two ways. I went to Mass with my brother one morning at Liverpool. I wasn't praying as much anymore. I always loved God, but it was very distant now. There was an emptiness in me. But I suppose he was always working, doing something. And I went to Mass and two guys get up, a girl and a guy, and they talk about their experience in this Antioch community. So there I was listening. My heart opened just a little bit. And I thought an inspiration. I should go. And so the first thing I do is I look to my brother and say, what do you reckon? Should we go? Nah. I could have at that point said, you know what? It's not for me anymore. I'm done with that stuff. And I really was by then. I thought I was. But instead I said, you know what? I thought something, I'm going to go. And I went and, and approached them. I told them, you know, I'll sign up. I signed up. And I know there is a few faces here that have been to Antioch. I can already see. So you know some of the experience. I was working late that day when the retreat began. So they were talking about a retreat. And I decided to go to this Antioch retreat that these young kids were talking about. And I got there and I'm there with my bag, kind of walking. And these, these, young, ki- these young kind of teenagers are rushing at me. And bang, they grab my bag. Hey, how you going? Boom. And they run off. I'm thinking, hey, come back. That's my bag. <laughs> so I'm walking that way. I'm seeing where they're going. You know, I'm walking that way. Then I see another, another group of young kids running at me. Oh, what's going on? I've got nothing left. You know? But they came to hug me. They're hugging me. I said, oh, fair enough. They need a bit of a hug. All right. Yeah, you know, I can hug you. No worries. You know? My heart was still a bit closed, but I was you know, kind of, yeah, I'm here now. You know, I can't do anything. I can't run off. You know? It's a bit, bit odd, but all right. You don't know me, but well, we can hug if you want. Um, and then I, um, the first night, get in there the first night, and they're talking about God's call. And the first thing they do is they get on chairs and start clapping and singing. Oh, it's a bit odd, but all right, I can clap. I won't sing. I wasn't much of a singer, so all right, I'll just do a bit of clapping. And I started clapping a bit, and, you know, my heart was still a bit closed. It was still closed during the experience, not fully open yet. Still there with a sense of curiosity, but closed. The transformation for me happened very clearly on a Saturday, and it's very vivid to me still how it happened. It was a Saturday night, like last night. And it was a reconciliation night. And so there was a talk, as you heard Tom talk yesterday, on reconciliation. And then I sat there quietly, listening to some meditative music. And as that music was playing, I started thinking, pondering and reflecting on my life. There was a repentance taking place in my heart. I had gone the wrong way. I missed the mark. Come back come back. And I started to feel I need to turn back. Something's not right in my life. This is not right, what I'm doing. 
it's affecting me. And that's a conversion that the Holy Spirit was moving. That's why when you experience those things, so important to be open to it. Not, oh, close yourself off. Open yourself up to it because it will change your life. It changed mine. After that, I went to confession and I laid it all out to a good priest friend of mine now. I just told him as it is, Father, I'm struggling in these areas. I opened the dark corners of my heart and allowed the Lord to shine his light upon them. And that was the transforming part of my life. And I reflected on it. What was it that actually got transformed? I remember I went home that, that uh, it was on the Sunday night and I was so excited again, like that kid who was eight years old. I wanted to share, this happened, that happened, and Jesus, this and that. I'm thinking, what happened? What was the transformation that took place? I buried that desire for Jesus through all that sin. I buried it deep, deep down. And all that came crumbling down, and that desire was raw again. It was there. And let me tell you, it hasn't gone out since that, since I was 21. It's still there. It's still very much there, that desire for Jesus. And that is a work of the Holy Spirit in my life. Knowing that Jesus, I need him in my life and to hold his hand along this journey. Okay, so that was a big part. But then I, then I reflected, is that what transformed my life? Was it that event? The answer is no. That was a spark. What's been transforming my life is every single yes that has followed as best as I can. I haven't always said yes fully, unfortunately, to the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm still not quite there. But as much as I can, I try to say yes to the Holy Spirit. It's so important. And there's another person who has said yes to the Holy Spirit, and that's our Blessed Mother. So I'll encourage you now to close your eyes again. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of God the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no husband? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your kinswoman Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible and Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This passage is about God and what God is doing in the Holy Spirit in salvation history. But it's also a moment 
of personal decision from a human being called Mary. St. Bernard, I think it's St. Bernard, says that the angels and saints were holding their breath when the angel came knocking at the door of our Blessed Mother. What will she say? She has complete freedom. God will not force her heart. They were holding their breath. Will she say yes? And we know that she gives a complete fiat, a complete yes to God. She opens herself up completely. She has the right attitudes of openness, receptivity, of trust, of listening, a listening that leads to obedience to God and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is able to penetrate her heart so deeply because in her heart there is no resistance. We know that she's a little bit different in the sense that she's immaculate. She has no sin in her. Whereas with us, there can be obstacles in our hearts when the Holy Spirit comes knocking at our door. This is important because we need to step back and like our Blessed Mother, be receptive to the Holy Spirit, to His movements in our hearts. Because through her, He was able to do great things. She brought the Savior to the world through her yes. She bore fruit for others. This was not just for her vocation, which yes it was. It was for others to bear fruit in the life of others. When you are given a gift, it's not just for you. These gifts that God gives you, I'll talk a little bit more about it soon, is for others. But before I do that, I want to talk about the next work of the Holy Spirit in my life, which is intimacy with God. Intimacy and friendship. When I fell in love with God, I did something very interesting. You know when you fall in love with someone, you want to impress them. Put your best on, put a gel, tuck the shirt in, look good for them, yeah? Like, hey, because what you're trying to do, you're trying to impress them. Impress an image of yourself in their mind so they think of you because you're thinking of them. Okay? You want to obviously attract them. And so naturally with Jesus, I fell in love. And so what did I do? I wanted to impress him. I suppose in my subconscious, I started doing things. That's a, it's a manly thing, I think. You want to do things always. So I started praying the rosary. Later on, divine mercy. Later on, adoration, and so forth and so forth. And it kept building up. It's quite exhausting. <laughs> you know, when you're in love, it is exhausting, <laughs> that attitude. And so what ended up happening is it's almost as if I was building something for God. He said, I'm building this spirituality. Look how much I love you, God. Look. I wasn't saying that, of course. But it's the kind of attitude that was there, a disposition. I'm holy. How much I'm doing? That's the wrong attitude. Can you already see what's wrong? It broke down. And this is when I was in the seminary. I was there for a couple of years. And when I was there, I got a sense in prayer when all that collapsed and it didn't really work. It's a bit exhausting, as I said. I got this sense of the Father saying this to me. One, stop. Relax. Relax your way into trust. You are my beloved son and I love you. I just want to spend time with you. And I want you to spend time with me. That is why every night and every day I go to the tabernacle to pray. Just to spend time. Whether it be half an hour, an hour or whatever. Just to spend that quality time with the Lord sometime during that day. Because that's what I got in prayer. That's what God wanted. In other words... It's not about me doing this for you, God. It's what God is doing for me and how open I am to receive that. That will transform me. 
Only then can I respond properly. You can't give what you don't have. Which leads me on to the final work of the Holy Spirit. They're not in stages, by the way. Each of those is still happening. There's still deeper conversion. There's still deeper intimacy. They're all happening simultaneously. I'm just kind of showing you the steps that I can see in my life. But they're still happening now. Okay? And they're going deeper and deeper and deeper as I go along my journey of faith. This final work that I can identify of the Holy Spirit is to share this treasure with others. God has given me this faith, the beautiful treasure of this message and, and Jesus Christ, drawing me to Jesus, not for myself, okay? but to actually share it with other people. And that's something that the Holy Spirit has been doing in me, particularly after the seminary when I decided to leave. I thought that he was asking me to share what I had learnt. And then I joined the community, the Immaculata community, and they're quite zealous in service. And so I started to learn so much from them. I started to realize that it's like a jigsaw puzzle. Each one of us has different gifts. And each of those gifts is not for me. It is for your sanctification, but more important, it's for the glory of God. And it's to serve others. It's at the service of love. It's there to build up the church. It's not that guy has this gift, this person has that gift. It doesn't matter how small or big it is. The purpose of it is to build up the church and to serve others in love and to bring them to God. And that could be a gift of teaching, a gift of prophecy. Okay? It could be a gift of healing, a gift of service. Okay? They could be simpler gifts as well, of music ministry. And we come together. Imagine somebody has a gift and they say no to the Holy Spirit. Something's missing in that jigsaw puzzle in the church. How important is your yes? That yes and that openness is vital. It's the Holy Spirit and the believer. So I'm going to ask you, I think, just um, can I check the time, please? Somebody have the time? So I think I'll start wrapping up then. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll end with this same question. Actually, there's a quote that I want to read as well, so just hang in there. <laughs> Almost finished. Uh, Are you having an awesome time? Whose work do you think this is? It's God's work, isn't it? It It definitely is the Holy Spirit's work. But it is also the yes of Mother Mary Therese those many years ago, the yes of the sisters many years ago, the yes of those people in the community many years ago, and the yes of each of the participants now. If those had been no's, we wouldn't be sitting here receiving these graces and the beauty of God's work right now. What's the point? God needs your yes. He needs your yes. Because he will do beautiful things for you, but not just for you, for others. It is so important. And so in there, I'm going to read one quote. You can close your eyes. And this is from Cardinal Mercia. From the, I think it's the 19th century. We're not good with dates over here, but pretty sure it is. Okay, so. I am going to reveal to you the secret of sanctity and happiness. Every day for five minutes, control your imagination and close your eyes to all the noises of the world in order to enter into yourself. Then in the sanctuary of your baptized soul, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit, speak to that divine spirit, saying to him, O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, 
I adore you. Enlighten me. Strengthen me. Console me. Tell me what I should do. Give me your orders. I promise to submit myself to all that you desire of me and to accept all that you permit to happen to me. Let me only know your will. Amen. That was Juan Freck with Fostering a Relationship with the Holy Spirit. This presentation was part of the 2018 Immaculata Mission School held in Hobart, Tasmania on the theme, Being a Disciple of Jesus. For more talks, interviews and shows, visit cradio.org.au.